An alien lets a human know he's not to be trifled with. We take a quick look at the newest conspiracy film, Out of Shadows. And can a cryptid really be considered a cryptid if it gets caught all the time? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really, really do. I want to give a shout out to a legacy Patreon, longtime supporter of the show, Dave H. Dave, thank you so much for supporting the show. You're going to be our pilot, our captain, whatever vehicle we take for this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine. Just help get the word out about the show. That helps a lot. We got a couple things to cover here, so let's go ahead and get started. Dave, I'm going to fling, 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 You catch the keys to the Carpenter Copter. Fire up that Carpenter Copter. We are going to head on out to Italia, Italy, the big booted country that never sleeps. We're headed out there. We're specifically going to a little town called Padova. The year is 1994. <laughs> Helicopters cutting over the countryside. People are making grapes. They're, they're not making grapes. They're squishing grapes, turning it into wine. Giant Italian families are eating spaghetti while mothers chase kids around with a rolling pin covered in dust. I don't know what they do over there. I assume it's the country of stereotypes. Bunch of mafiosos shaking down the Pope. Give us all your money. They shake him. A bunch of gold falls out of his big old hat. Oh, actually, I should cover this right now since I just made that Pope joke. Apparently, there is... Because I made that one joke, I'm totally going to go off topic. I got this request, actually, from a listener. It was from Scotty MacDuder. Scotty MacDuder, a, a listener on YouTube, thank you for this. He sent me the story that apparently... In a current video, this is a real big sidetrack, apparently there is a very recent video, a video from April 13th, 2020, where the Pope's doing his prayer thing at a window, the mafiosos are standing in the shadows, punching their hands like this, and the Pope's like, oh, I better make this prayer last longer, because when I'm done, they're going to beat me up. He's like, and bless each blade of grass, and the acorns, and people are like, dude, is he going to pray for every life form on the planet? He's like... God bless the cardboard cutout of Pamela Anderson. People are like, what? Mafiosos have bats. Anyways, the real story is the Pope is doing his prayer thing, and then he he's at a window, so we can all see. I guess I should have said that in the beginning. He's not in the corner of a room. He's doing this thing at a window. He's in Vatican City, and he's like praying, silently calling for help. And then he turns around, and he walks away, and then he disappears. Just blinks out of existence. So, Scotty McDuder, thank you for that recommendation. I was looking at that, and I go, okay, there's there's basically an obvious explanation for this. But it also just looks like the Pope is a hologram, and somebody shut it off too early. And so the idea is that the Pope died of the coronavirus, and they had to replace him with a hologram. The Vatican's like, oh, good thing we have this sci-fi technology. I mean, you can make Tupac appear as a hologram, but he's blue. The Pope's not blue. He doesn't look like a force ghost. Pope's up there rapping, how do you want it? But no, so obviously that was a conspiracy theory, but it's interesting because I looked into it. First off, the Pope is only like five foot eight feet tall, and so he has to use a platform to wave out of the window. I mean, he's not a munchkin. Five foot eight isn't terribly short, but the windows, the way they're situated, they're quite big. So there are different angles of the same prayer, camera angles, right? And one of them straight on. 
and you actually see him step down. So that was my first clue. I go, okay, so he was on some sort of pedestal. When he stepped down, maybe the other camera view had him step down odd, but it wasn't. What happened was, it was kind of a combination of a bunch of different things. One, you have the lighting quality of the actual light source, which is the sun, which is pretty good lighting quality, right? But then it's a pitch black room behind him, so the Gambino family can hide. You then have him stepping down. So, and and basically, like, all these camera people started, and they you could say they're all lizard people, they're all part of the conspiracy, but all these people who know about camera technology, they go, it was a combination of very bright light source shining on him, then him stepping into almost complete darkness. Plus, the camera is far away, and it's a digital camera, which you're going to have some sort of pixel, you're going to have more issues than you are going to be with a film camera, plus him stepping down. That actually was a factor. I was at least right on that part. Him stepping down changed the light quality, changed so much. Because what happened was people started slowing down the footage where he blinked out of existence, and he fades. It does look, like if you just watch it at regular speed, he immediately blinks out in between frames. But if you slow it down, you see him slowly fade, which actually made more people believe in the hologram. But the film people, you know, the great film industrial complex that is always lying to us, but they came forward and they said, no, 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 it was a combination of these different factors. Anyways, let's get back to my story. We're in Italy. Let's go back to the story that I had planned. Thank you, though, Scotty, for that recommendation. We're in Italy. We're in the town Padavo. Padova? Uh, Padova. We're in Padova, Italy. It's June 8th, 1994. It's midnight. Oh, super spooky. I don't know if they have wolves in Italy. Actually, I know they do because the founders of Rome were raised by wolves. Huh? How's that for a tidbit of knowledge? Put that, put that little wrinkle in your brain. So there's a farm in Italy, and there's this farmer walking around at midnight doing who knows what, right? Maybe he was looking for ghosts. But anyways, he was out walking. Maybe there's farm stuff you do at midnight. I don't know. He's walking around his farm at midnight. And then beep, bop, burp, beep, bop, burp. No, that's not the beginning of a Power Man 5000 song. There's a robot, to be specific, a robot-like entity walking through his farm. Beep, bop. And he turns and he's like all lit up with these lights. I'm turning him and it's just a full robot because I really don't know what a robot-like entity is. He's just a big old robot, right? He looks at the farmer. The farmer's like, what? This is not what I expected to see when I came out to check on my chickens. Robot guy standing there. And he looks at the farmer. The farmer looks at him and the farmer gets a telepathic message beamed into his head. And the robot goes... Do not try to stop me. You cannot click, click, hurt me. There are 14 other of my kind, just like me, in the woods. You cannot stop me. And then he flies away. Up into the clouds. Now, that's the end of that story, right? But I told you it was short. What I love about that story, I got it from thingaboutitdogs.com, and they took it from a magazine. But what I thought was funny about that story was, I don't think, I think it's true. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it's true. This is what I think happened. Let's assume, again, the story's true, and the guy just didn't make it up, because you never know. The robot, this is what I honestly think happened. The ro- two versions. One, the robot's walking around the farm doing who knows what. Again, what do you do at a farm at midnight? Robot's walking around. A farmer walks out. And the robot was not supposed to be caught. If anything, the robot's actually incredibly nervous. Because here's a big old human walking around. 
And he probably is armed, right? Most farmers carry guns, right? I don't know. Big old pitchfork. The robot immediately starts robot sweating. Uh-oh. Going to malfunction? What is this perspiration on my metal head? The, I think the robot was lying. I think the robot got scared when somebody popped out of the darkness. The robot goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you may want to try to take me, but there's like 14. He's just guessing a number 14 of me in the woods. So if you do anything, it's basically the equivalent of if you beat me up, my brother's going to find you type of thing, right? Like, don't, no, 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 don't hurt me. There's 14 other, and they're so much stronger than me, and they're, like, really cool. They're not as good looking or smart, but they're, like, super strong, so you better stay away. And then he flies and he runs away. That's the one version that the robot was totally bluffing because he was afraid he was just going to get wrecked by this farmer. My other favorite version of this story is that the robot's walking around the farm, and there are 14 other robots hiding in the woods, and they're like, Okay, if this plan, if this goes according to plan, we're going to, like, go, we're going to, like, cut open a couple chickens and then, like, do some stuff to cows. We're going to do our normal. Oh, did Gary just get caught? And <laughs> all the robots look, and there's this robot standing in the middle of a farm, and a far- they see a farmer, like, yelling at Gary, and they're like, oh, my God, what's what's he going to do? And then they hear Gary's telepathic, <laughs> telepathic kind of communication. He's like, no, 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 don't hurt me, don't hurt me. There's 14 more of me in the woods, and they're like, did he just rat us out? The other robots are all trying to fly away. No. Basically, if the story is true, the robot's either a snitch or a scaredy cat. But I just love the fact that he's like, and that again, that's the end of the story. The farmer doesn't then go search the woods or anything like that. But if he did, I would imagine either he found nothing, meaning the robot was lying to him, trying to get a quick getaway, or there were originally 14 other robots there. And because Gary the robot got caught, he hindered their plans for world domination. They're like, oh, dang it, plan B, time to make a hologram of the Pope. And they all fly off. Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, Out of Shadows. This is kind of a Dead Rabbit recommends, but it's for a particular audience. It's funny because um, I was thinking about, I talked about this on yesterday's episode and edited it out um, because it was just too much. Yesterday's episode was kind of too long. But then Nick44 on Instagram was like, hey, have you seen Out of uh, Shadows? So Out of Shadows, it's a it's a documentary on YouTube that is, it's going really well. I think it had like 5 million views in the first couple days. It never hit trending, which, you know, YouTube messes with their algorithm and stuff like that. But it's, it's a really, really popular conspiracy documentary. This one's pretty pretty well done. I will have to say, it, it, let me let me go over it briefly. It, I, I'll say this: it is a great primer for a particular set of conspiracy theories. If you don't know anything about these conspiracy theories, I would definitely recommend watching this. To me, they're all fairly no brainer. Especially the first thirty minutes, I was kind of like, and and I was waiting for them to basically the first part. It, it's interesting. You have a high level Hollywood stuntman who gets injured, and during his physical therapy, he find and this is not fictional. Like you could argue that the stuff they're talking about is fake, but. The narrative is real. The guy who making the documentary, I believe, is the stuntman who got injured, and while he was going through physical therapy, he got, quote-unquote, red-pilled to how Hollywood was really run. He'd been in it for years, for most of his adult life, if not all of his adult life. Then he's finding out all these secrets. Now, the first half of it, or the first 30, 40 minutes of it is, um, it's actually quite short, is about the CIA's involvement in Hollywood. Then that's a no-brainer. I mean, and they show all the dots. But if you didn't know that, this is a good primer for it. CIA is deeply entrenched in Hollywood. They're deeply entrenched in the news media. Every major newspaper, and I'd argue every newspaper, has some connection to the CIA. I'm not faulting the CIA for that either. CIA, FBI, all government organizations, they've done good stuff. They've done bad stuff. 
But if I, if any government worth its salt is going to control the means of propaganda in their country, and in this country, it's Hollywood, television, it's the media, we, we, and through Hollywood, we can control the propaganda of the world. So, of course, CIA is going to get involved in that. So are the communists going to get involved in Hollywood. That was really interesting, though, because they go over, like, documents and, like, these exposés and these hearings. So if you didn't know anything about, like, Project Mockingbird, it's a great documentary. They go into MK Ultra a little bit, which was nice, because I think that's been beaten to death. If you don't know anything about MK Ultra, CIA mind experiments, that's really good in there. And then it ends with probably the best primer I've ever seen on Pizzagate. So if you want to know the or if you don't know the origins of Pizzagate, this is a great documentary. Where the documentary actually loses me, so it starts off with a stunt man, ends with a journalist. In the middle, you have another stunt man who's a little more on the fringe of things, and he has this mon- little monologue that he goes into. He's a little more so he goes like this. He talks about. What is Hollywood? And this, I've, I've talked about people like this on my show before. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. But it, And he was doing fine. And then he got to this part. He's like, Hollywood. What does that mean? Hollywood is what the Druids used. They used a branch of holly for their wands or their ceremonies. Now, and he, television. What does that say? You tell a vision. You see... The television is controlling your brains. It's like the druids are casting these spells on you. Because when you sit down in front of your television, you get to choose from channels. Like people used to channel spirits in the old days. And what is a show called on a channel? Programming. They're programming your soul. And I'm like, okay, movies. You can say television means television, but what about a movie or a projector? What do those things mean? Which existed long before television. So you can pick stuff. I mean, that's the type of stuff where I was kind of like rolling my eyes. Like, to me, that's where you start to get into the the loony stuff. CIA working with major media. Obviously, they're doing that, right? It's, it's open secret. If you want to make any movie with any piece of military equipment, the army gets to look at your script. That's not even a hidden but yeah, CIA probably does have, absolutely has people working at Nickelodeon. If they don't actually have agents there, there are people, high-level Nickelodeon people who can talk to CIA agents or ABC, CBS, Disney, whatever. Totally not shocking at all. Good good information. It's that little middle part where they start trying to talk about CIA is now also infested with Satan worshiper. Oh, okay. The television thing, that kind of fell apart for me. But overall, it's a very well done documentary it's a good primer on conspiracy theory i don't agree with all of their conclusions it's nothing really that you can't find out of a couple days of research on your own but it's very very entertaining packages and short so you gotta love that so dead rabbit recommends out of shadows don't run out to watch it unless you're interested in that stuff if you listen to this podcast to hear ghost stories and stuff like that i don't think it's going to red pill you anymore i mean it seems to be a lot of obvious conclusions but there are worse ways to spend an hour of your time watching something. Let's go ahead, though, and move on to our last story. So we're leaving behind the tell a vision, which I actually just did. Didn't I tell a vision to you? What does podcast mean? Well, if you take a pod, if you take the P and pod and you turn it upside down and you added two more, 666. Now, without the P, it says odd cast. How do you perform a spell? You cast it. 
And if you are a witch, some might consider you odd. Hmm, 666-oddcast. So a podcast isn't supposed to be fun at all. This Just the very act of me recording this into a microphone. Mike, as in the Archangel Michael. And O-phone, as in... I don't know. But I mean, basically, you know what I mean? Like, you can do that anything. I have a mic stand, meaning Michael can't stand for me to record. You see what I mean? Like, I could literally do this all day long. All day long. A-D-L? Anti-Defamation League? Oh, my goodness. Everyone's involved in... There are people... I know I'm mocking this, but there are people who spend a good amount of time adding up numbers and doing stuff like that. And that was all literally off the top of my head. If you couldn't tell. If you couldn't tell. And that's all it takes. People could just go on and on. Let's go ahead, though, and move on to something that really matters. Cryptids. Let's leave behind the carpenter copter. Dave, let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We're going for a drive. We're leaving behind the Tell a Vision Station. Because they want us to stay and be shunned by all of the non-believers. We're leaving. Dave's like, uh, slumped over the wheel. He's like, can I just breathe in the exhaust fumes of this car? Like, no, wake up, wake up, wake up. We're driving down to South America. Now, when we get there, we're going to stop by a little tribe of little Amazonian dudes, right? They're hanging out. We're in Fejo. That's in Acre, Brazil. So we're in Brazil. I can pronounce that 100%. A little place called Fejo. It's May 1994. An Indian chief walks into a village in Fehay. Hey, guys, what's going on? And they're like, oh, hey, what's up, Philip? And he's like, ah, you won't believe what just happened. Half of my tribe just got massacred. Everyone's down like, you're a little nonplussed about the whole thing. He's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Well, half my tribe got massacred. Well, who killed it? He's like, the beast. That same month, a couple weeks later, Another Indian chief from the Coco Aku settlement comes into a town. Different town this time. Guy walks into a different town and he goes, you won't believe what happened to me. He's hanging out, a couple other hunters, and the beast came for us. Sits and takes a drink. I don't know if he drinks. He might, might be a teetotaler. But anyways, he just sits there then in the bar. Now, we're sitting in this bar too. We're like swatting away big bugs. It's super humid. I'm sure May in the Amazon rainforest is quite humid. We're sitting there and we're looking at each other and we're like, dude, what's this beat? There's a creature hunting people in the Amazon. This is crazy. This is nuts. Plus also, then that guy seems surprisingly calm. He just sits there not drinking anything, not even water. So we ask him, hey, this beast, can you describe it to us? We are cryptid hunters ourselves. The Amazon chief turns to us and he goes, it's big. Six to seven feet tall. Look at each other. It's hairy. It's a giant hairy monster. And I'm like looking at you. I'm like, dude, it's a Bigfoot. And you're like, I don't know, maybe. It has one eye, he says. And we're like, what? That's not Bigfoot. Bigfoot, maybe he got poked. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Sometimes you only do have one eye because one eye's gone. And then a giant mouth in his stomach. Giant gaping wound in his stomach. We're like, what? That's not Bigfoot at all. And he's like, I never said it was Bigfoot. This is a creature called the Mappingari. The Mappingari. And 
It it's okay. So, anyways, let's get into this thing. This thing primarily exists in Brazil, Amazon rainforest general location, and it's an interesting cryptid for quite a few reasons. One, it's incredibly recent. There were no sightings of it before the 20th century. So there's nothing going back, long-term natives saying, oh yeah, I remember back in my day, it used to come through and kill half the people. And no, our chiefs just didn't care. They just walked into town. None of that stuff. But now, if people find Mapangari tracks, they'll move their entire village. It's not worth it. These things are so vicious, they'll just walk into town and start killing people. So not a long history, but very, very brutal recent history. There is some debate over whether or not they really have one eye. Some people say they have one eye. Some people say they have two. They're always big. They're always hairy. Some people say, though, they're gorilla-like. So you do get that Bigfoot idea. Other people say, and I, dude, I don't know what it is with South America, why they're scared of these things. But other people go, what, ape? Those aren't scary. It's a giant sloth. Almost every cryptid in Argentina, and I covered this on a past episode, they're all giant sloths. Giant sloths all the way down. This one is also compared to being a sloth. When they see tracks of it, the name Mapangari, which I'm almost for sure I'm mispronouncing, means a thing that has a bent or crooked paw. So basically, it's interesting that it's also related to its footprint, like Bigfoot is specifically giant foot, giant footprint. This one is also related to the track it leaves. Some some people say the feet are turned backwards. Very, very common in... South American legends, South American cryptids have feet facing backwards because that way you can't track it. You don't know which way it's going in. It's really weird. There's so many that we've come across like that. Some people say, though, that's the toes of a giant sloth because the toe, and this is a really interesting look at it. With a sloth, apparently they like, or they can, when they walk on their feet, their toes will kind of curl underneath them. So it will look, you'll see the toes facing in the wrong direction. And it walks. And if there are... See, that's the big debate. People say, yeah, giant sloths were real at some point in time, but they're extinct now. That would explain why we have so many cryptids in South American lore that walk backwards. Because basically the way this giant sloth is walking is its toenails kind of curl underneath. Because you don't get backward walking creatures in America. You do get them sometimes in like Portugal, Spain... Maybe a little bit farther east, but it's almost predominantly, almost all the cryptids have some form of walking backward in South America. So that's a weird connection. You have the idea that there might still be giant sloths over there, and all sorts of other ghosts and ghoulies that walk through the jungle also leave backward footprints. But anyways, they debate giant sloth monkey, giant sloth monkey. The most unique thing about this thing is it has a mouth-like opening in its stomach. So when you look at drawings of this, it basically looks like some kid just drew a picture of Bigfoot and then just goes, "Ah, I'm going to give it a second mouth because I'm bored. I got 30 minutes left of math class, so I'm just going to keep drawing. The thing is, it's not a mouth. It's actually a defense mechanism. It shoots out the most noxious smell. So you're walking through the woods and you see something in front of you. And it turns around and you pull your rifle up. You get ready to shoot this thing. Oh, you can't wait to blow its brains out. And then all of a sudden, you wake up. It's like four hours later. You're lucky a bunch of jaguars aren't circling you. Because it releases a smell that's so noxious, a man will go unconscious like that. It'll just drop you. 
And what's funny is that, you know, a lot of times people, the thing will scare, get scared and run away, right? Sometimes it murders entire villages. Sometimes it just goes, ah, and runs away and throws a stink bomb at you. And so you wake up and people are like, what, what does it smell? This is the best description of a smell I've come across in a while. Wake someone up. You take them back to the bar. Dude, so you ran into one of these things? He's like, oh, yeah, it was horrible. It was the worst smell I ever smelled. What does it smell like? This is the, how the smell is described. It smells like rotting flesh. So that's pretty gross. Most of us have never smelled rotting flesh. I've never smelled rotting flesh. I mean, I guess if you probably like took some chicken. Now let's do a science experiment. Get some chicken from KFC. Throw it in your closet. Wait two weeks and then email me what that smells like. I can't imagine it's a good smell. I can't imagine it's a good smell. Gangrene, stuff like that. The smell of your own flesh rotting. So it already smells disgusting. On top of that, it smells like putrefying feces. So not just poop. That's that's not bad enough, right? If it smelled like fresh poop and rotting flesh, you might be like, well, I can get used to it. I could be worse. I did used to take a subway in New York. But the fact that it's bubbling old poop, it's to the point where it's starting to liquefy and get moldy at the same time. Oh, that's making me sick to my stomach. I've never smelled that level of poop either, but I've smelled some pretty rank poop. I think we all have. So I can't imagine rotting flesh. I can't imagine poop that's in the right temperature where it doesn't cake up and dry, but it also it just keeps getting wetter and wetter. Okay, so that. And the guy sitting in the... We're all like holding back. This dude's eating chili in the corner. He's like... Pushes it back across the bar. He's like, no, no. He tells us it smells like rotting flesh. It smells like putrefying feces. And the guy looks around the bar. A skunk. Everyone's like, what? It's described as smelling like rotting flesh, putrefying poop, and a skunk. And when I read that, I thought, do you do you really need the skunk at that point? <laughs> like, is there a smell? Is there a, basically it'd be the equivalent of you walking into a crime scene? Someone had been murdered three weeks ago. The birds have been there. The dogs have been there. The body's completely decaying. You walk in and go, did someone fart? Like, there's enough other smells going on to not notice that someone just passed gas. I think if this thing blasted me with a. I don't think I'd be like, oh, I smell the skunk, I smell the skunk. It's all the other smells that knock you out. But anyways, that's a really good defensive weapon. You could say armor. This thing does have armor. Actually, they say it's big and hairy, but they say sometimes when it moves its neck just right, you can see what appears to be crocodile skin, or at the very least reptile skin, a, a small amount of armor on this thing. People shoot at it with... Different levels of success. We'll get into, we'll get into that in a second. Now, of course, some people say it's just a giant sloth. We don't know why it has this mouth in its stomach, or that's just a local legend. But it's a giant sloth. That's cryptid enough. Some people believe the cryptids are just there's no legend attached to it. It's just something we haven't discovered yet. With this one, you have the basic cryptid legend. Some people believe a thousand years ago there was a shaman who became immortal and the gods wanted to punish him so they turned him into this gross monster that doesn't make any sense because it wasn't seen before 1900 so unless this more unless he smelled himself right after he turned into a monster and passed out for 10,000 years and woke him and goes oh where am i i better go here and start harassing people it doesn't make sense some people believe it's a nature spirit and when people start going into the amazon and start logging i think again i think that's more propaganda than anything 
Because it's not like people started abusing the environment and it's like, oh, it's the year 1901. Let's start cutting down all these trees. Like that stuff was going on for a long, long time. Again, the nature spirit was really slacking off if he didn't get started until 1910. He's like, oh, I'm supposed to wreck vengeance? Oh, yeah, I'll go do that. Ah, vengeance, hate, uh, people who cut down trees. And the gods are like, no, 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 go commit vengeance. He's like, I don't know what I'm avenging. They've been doing this for centuries. People have multiple encounters with this thing to the point, like I said, people know it well enough. They'll move their tribe if the sightings are too close to their tribe. So people have had seen this thing up close. People have survived attacks from this thing. They said that it walks on all fours quite speedily, but it can walk on two legs. But when it does, again, it's like, it's so funny because you start to go, okay, here's a creature that smells. He can do all this stuff quite fierce. Walks like Charlie Chaplin. So when he's on two legs, he kind of just wobbles towards you. That's not terrifying. He's all throwing a cane around like a, a, a six seven foot tall hairy creature with reptilian skin underneath its fur charging me on all fours that's nightmare fuel but it's stand, like slowly standing on two legs walking like a baby that's not scary but anything this thing does apparently kill people all the time but what's interesting about it you have people who have dedicated their lives to finding this and they'll find like a pile of poop here is this poop Oddly, it smells even better than the animal itself. It smells like lilacs. Apparently, it, like people have poop samples and footprint samples, and there's people who've dedicated their whole lives to finding this. And then they send the poop off to a laboratory, and the laboratory writes back, quit sending us your poop, okay? We'll tell you one last time, this is horse poop or this is donkey poop. One of the main experts on this thing keeps saying it poops like a horse. The poop that it poops is consistent with a horse's poop. It's probably just a horse's poop, bro. And you're just picking it up and putting it in bags. And your wife's like, can't you find another hobby? Like, can't you do like model trains or 3D puzzles or something? Do you have to keep bringing home bags of poop? But what's interesting is this guy, there's a couple guys even spending their lives looking for this thing. This might be the most easily caught cryptid we've ever covered on this show. First off, I said it has the reptilian armor underneath its body, right? Here's its weakness. So this is one of those cryptids where a lot of times you have cryptids like if you have gold teeth, you take them out and you throw them at the cryptid and the cryptid explodes or you remove the left earring from this ghost. The You know, just basic like old witchcraft remedies. This cryptid he has to be shot in the head or the chest or the neck, which is the weakness of any living animal, right? That's how you kill this thing. They're like, ah, oh, if you ever run into a Mapangari, make sure you have a loaded gun. And you shoot it in the in the vital organs. People are like, what? I, I came to a witch doctor for that? Yes, you did. You owe me 50 bucks. You needed that information. I'm like, Dang it, here's my 50 bucks. You just shoot it in the brain, it dies. So these things get shot all the time. There's apparently three... Well, here's the thing. They get shot and they get captured all the time. But conveniently, you know, there's something happens. There's a lot of people have claimed to had encountered these things and they got away. They've actually been quite a few captured. Living specimens captured. You had a bunch of um, bunch of these things. And again, they're incredibly vicious. They will kill you on sight. So you do have to shoot them or hopefully they just get scared of you and they run away. They go, oh, there's 14 of me in the forest and they're way smellier than I am. They're not as charming or handsome, but oh. And then he runs away and the guy's like, oh, I want to get those 14 in the forest. Here's this, this, in the 1980s. So again, it's in, very, very interesting because everything's so recent. 1980s. 
there is a group of Indians called the Kanamari. They are living in the Rio Jura Hora? Jura. They're living in a valley. These Kanamari Indians are living in this valley. And they actually caught two of them. Two little baby Mapangaris. Hey, little guy, come here. Oh, look at me. He's trying to eviscerate my stomach. And they're holding him up. Picking up these two little guys. Now, they actually had these guys. And, and you imagine the other tribes must have thought these people were devil worshippers. Because when I say these things are vicious, like we've talked about them just walking through, like killing tribesmen, they would destroy cattle, they would destroy all sorts of stuff. They would walk through your farm and basically rip, there was one story where they walked through a a farm and over the course of three weeks, killed a hundred cows and ripped their tongues out. A delicacy, maybe? So definitely economically devastating, devastating uh, your life as well when they kill you. And they're horrible, just giant seven-foot-tall monsters. No one wants us hanging around. But these Kanamari Indians get two of these little baby guys. Now, you could argue, maybe they just found baby sloths. Not giant sloths, just reg- they're just a regular-sized sloth. And they're like, this must be an infant. And it's actually like 80-year-old sloth. Ugh. Anyways, they have these sloths. And they, what, they were the, the, so the, anyways, they have these Mapangaris. And they're hanging out, what the story apparently was that they were hanging out with their mom. And, hey, mommy, when am I going to be able to kill humans? Mommy, when do I get to kill cows? You wait, young pups. Someday you'll both be able to devastate humanity. But for now, you guys must learn how to play. And then some hunters showed up and scared the mom away. The mom's like, beat feet, kid. She pushes the kids towards the hunters. Get them, get them. Fourteen more of me in the woods. She runs away into the woods. The babies are like, what? So the hunters, I guess, probably felt bad that they scared away this human-eating creature. They take the babies home and raise them. But what happened was, they're feeding the babies bananas and milk, which is a pretty good diet for a baby, right? I don't know. Actually, I don't have a baby. I know milk is good. You're like, eat more bananas. They're like, no, my legs aren't cramping anymore. Anyways, they're eating all these bananas. And then eventually, they got older, so they started feeding them, like, uh, leaves and stuff like that. Which, at that point, the, the guys were like, can I pretend to be a baby and get more bananas? They're like, no, it's time to eat leaves. They're like, oh, man. I'm going to kill you first. What'd you say? Nothing. I'll eat my leaf. <laughs> Hiding a banana in the leaf. <laughs> but anyways, the point is, is that eventually, after a couple years, right? This is so funny. For about a year or two, we're raising these little mythological creatures. Back in the 80s. Again, this was in the 1880s. This is the 1980s. Reagan was in office when this was going on. You had... The village elders start sitting around the village, and they're like, "We need to talk about. We need to talk about those Mapangaris." And everyone's like, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah." Everyone's like, kind of. And they're like sitting in their giant hut with like a podium, the regular old podium, PowerPoint, PowerPoint projector on that. We need to talk about these little Mapangaris we have. Yes, their mother was scared off, and that was tragic. And it takes a village. But man, do these things stink. And everyone's like, yeah, it's super gross. I can't smell. The other day I took a dump. I didn't even know I took a dump. People are like, that's not a problem. He's like, it's a problem for me. I need to know when I go poop. I have no feeling in my butthole. So I don't know if I'm done, but I can't smell it. And everyone goes, yeah, I guess that could be a problem. So the townspeople go, they take the babies and they throw them into the jungle. They get rid of them because they smelled so bad. Now, here's my thing. 
There had been stories of people capturing these things, right? And then having to let them go. There had been people of there had been stories of people killing these things and being like, "Phew, I'll come back and get the body later." These people lived with these things for one to two years, even one year. Imagine it's day three hundred and sixty, and you wake up. Oh, I should have taken such a deep breath. I can't. I can't. I can't yawn. Every time I yawn, I get a mouthful of rotting flesh and putrefied poop. That's day 360. And then people go, listen, man, we've given it a year. Should we get rid of these things? And someone goes, let's say one to two years. The town's like, ah. So anyways, now we're going. It's the two-year anniversary. They take these babies. Again, these creatures that have plagued the people of Brazil. They just boot them off into the forest. Which makes, I mean... It would be worse if they, like, executed them, right? They, like, walked them out, and they're like, Hey, Mapangari, look over there. You see you see all the cows? Yeah, I see the cows. You're going to rip those tongues out someday. I sure hope so. I, this is supposed to be a parody of the ending of Mice and Men botching it. But anyways, the point is... And they shoot him in the back of the head. Spoiler alert. The point is, is that... I think this, I think it's hilarious. I, but I also love the script that he... He, he, it's it's the perfect blend. You have a man. We don't get many cryptids that actively kill. Some cryptids are like curses or spirits. Where like they are nature spirits. Where if you do something wrong, they'll get you. We see that a lot of that in South America. We see nature spirits, but those stories go back to the time of the conquistadors. We have cryptids that kind of mind their own business, like Bigfoot. We have cryptids like vampires and werewolves. But this one, basically, it's incredibly modern. It's still, to this day, people will move their tribes if they start to see footprints. They're not moving small towns or villages, but when you have, like, a group of people congregated in a little area, you guys know what a tribe is. They'll just move, because it's not worth dealing with these things. They're aware of them, they're massive, they're bulletproof, unless you shoot them in the neck, head, or chest. Everywhere else is pretty well armored. Which is evolutionary, that would be evolutionarily weird to not be more armored where your internal organs are. But anyways, again, we're talking about a guy who has a mouth in his stomach that shoots out stink bombs. But it's a, it, I just think it's an interesting blend. It's an incredibly vicious cryptid that has a body type built for what it does. It's not like a little goblin who casts magical spells. It's a giant monster that needs monster strength to eat you. And it's active. It still affects people's lives today, and it has a believable defense mechanism. There's no curses, no magic involved, just a big smelly monster that wants to eat what you have. Now, do I believe that it's real? I don't know. It's definitely fun to talk about. I think it's definitely, I think something like this would be more believable than a Bigfoot, simply because it does get caught and killed all the time. Again, you could say everyone who's telling these stories are lying, but again, if you kill something and if you're in an Amazonian tribe, you kill something, you're not calling up Fate magazine the next day. By the time an explorer gets there, they're like, oh yeah, that pile of bones over there? That's what you're looking for if you'd only got here a couple weeks earlier. They don't have cameras. They're not uh, you know, hopping on the internet talking about this on some forum, on some cryptid Reddit site or something like that. They're just shooting. They're just shooting monsters that are attacking their livestock, and then throwing the bones into the river and being like, "Lack," or raising it. So, real life Harry and the Hendersons were little monster men raised by loving families until they got too stinky and then thrown out into the woods. Possibly. The question is, what happened to those monsters now? Would they be a little more caring for humans since they are raised by them? 
Or would they be filled with nothing but vengeance and rage at being abandoned once again? Who knows? The only way to find out is for us to take a trip to the Amazon. Wearing necklaces of bananas and carrying huge glasses of milk. And as we walk through the jungle, we'll keep our noses peeled for a smell. The unmistakable smell of poop, flesh, and a skunk. Because if we smell those smells, then we know for sure the legends are true. But it won't do us any good. We're soon about to be devoured by the beast with two mouths. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. I love you. Be safe, be kind, and I will see you guys later.